1: Baseball is finally back, and DraftKings has you covered. DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you on the field with a free shot at a share of millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy baseball is super easy to play. You just pick 10 players, stay under the cap, and pile up the points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. There is no better way to put your baseball knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars throughout the week baseball is not for you, don't worry. DraftKings is offering plenty of fantasy golf action for this week's tournament with millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs. Download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code THPN to get a free shot at a share of millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That promo code is THPN to get a free shot at a share of millions of dollars with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the In The Down.
1: Podcast.
0: All right, we were supposed to have two games to break down, but COVID, Come
1: COVID. Come NHL did us a favor and did, gave us a night off of misery.
0: What, what my issue is, is... Couldn't they have done this 10 hours before? Like, they knew Gaudette had already tested positive. I don't get they got some late results. Like, it would, it would have been nice. The only reason why I'm saying that is it would have been nice for the Flames to know they could have had a regular practice today and maybe even have a regular practice tomorrow because we need the practice time.
1: boy oh, do we?
0: I don't mind the actual, you know, extra day off, though. I think that only benefits us at this point.
1: But boy, they need practice and they need it real bad because they really suck. So we got the one Jets game to break down.
0: Five one loss. Once it gets to the five one deficit area, I just kind of start blacking out. So if it's worse or around whatever, five one it was. So
1: um it's interesting. Like
0: <laughs> I put this on Twitter afterwards. I'm like, up until it was five one, I thought they actually played a pretty pretty decent game.
1: They played fine. That was one of the better games I've seen them play. Like if you're looking at, you
0: know, my eyeball test and it's backed by, you gave me the statistics after the game. They, they own the shot share, the chance share. I think the high danger chance for you'll have to like, maybe. Yeah. Why don't you go through, go through the. The stats right now.
1: I'll go through the five on five. So, Flames have 36 shot attempts to the Jets 33. The Flames have 19 scoring chances to the Jets 15. The Flames have seven high danger chances to the Jets 6. They played a pretty okay game, all things considered.
0: Yeah. I thought they were, uh, especially in the first and, you know, halfway through the second, were maintaining the bulk of the play. They got out to the one goal lead. It would have been nice to make it two because they're undefeated when they go 2 and 0 under L Center, but. Um that that first goal, I mean, that's obviously, the you know, the best play of the night for sure. The, the Johnny to Chucky to Lindholm cross crease. That's what we've been harping on. Where's the cross crease?
1: All I can think of is why can't those guys play together at even strength?
0: Why can't they just try it?
1: Your offense is so bad. If
0: you're at such a loss to create offense, to get this team going, To create a spark to turn the season around, and especially hey look, we're five points back on Montreal. They have, I know, we're four points back, and they have six games, five games in hand. We're so far back, we're out of it. It's just like it's not even
1: close. Exactly,
0: this is like your opportunity to try stuff, like for free, your free opportunity. So I think you're, I think you're right. Like, let, well, let's see it.
1: And the thing that drives me nuts, I think I the, the most, because man, I in the off season, I'm just like, I want to see Gidro and Kachuk play together so much because, like, you see that pass Kachuk makes the last second. How yeah, many yeah. other guys? How many other guys in the team are making that pass and not taking the shot there? Zero. How many times have you seen Johnny Gaudreau in the past few games playing with Brett Ritchie? Have Brett Richie wide open and not pass to him because he knows it's not going to even come anywhere close to being a scoring chance if he gives that to Brett Ritchie. How many times have you seen Sean Monahan whiff on a wide open net after a brilliant setup from Johnny Joe the last three games? I mean, you could count two in the last game where he absolutely whiffed. So, like, that's what bugs me the most about, like, those two guys. Like, those are your two smartest guys on the team. Kachuk makes so many high high IQ offensive plays, as does Goudreau. They would work so well together. We've seen them work so well together on the power play. I just don't understand why we've never, especially when you're dying for goals. You suck at scoring goals. And like you said, like, you're so out of it. Like, what's even the point? Why not try stuff? I don't understand why we never see it. It just makes, I don't get it. Like, do net, like... <laughs> You see Dave Tippett do this all the time. When the others need a goal, they put McDavid and Dry Saddle together. And it's like nuclear weapon. It's a cheat code. That's what Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew, even if you don't play them together all the time. When you're dying for offense, try it. I don't get it. And you see them make plays like that together, it just drives me nuts. And then you have got a guy like Lindholm, who who is a above average finisher on that line. It just makes no sense to me why they don't try stuff.
0: Sean Monahan, dude, that's the okay. Rumor is he's injured.
1: He must he's, be. He's injured. There's no. There's no. There's no rumor about it. Like if it's ridiculous at this point. I don't know why they don't shut him down for if, if he's hurt. This
0: that last game was the absolute worst I've ever seen Sean Monahan. There was one play I think it was in the first period when he's going in on the forecheck and already you're like oh great here comes Monahan on a forecheck this should be should be a waste of time. And he actually has an opportunity to hem the guy in the corner and he stops up short and stop lets- short. <laughs> That's my move. And then lets the guy go past him. Like I couldn't believe my eyes. And then he just continued to stink worse and worse throughout the game. Meg like you just said the amount of opportunities he's got in the slot. Either he dishes it off, doesn't take the shot. It's like, dude, aren't you our you know, our most lethal shot we have? Why are you passing the puck? And then whenever he passes it, it's a turnover. Shoot the fucking puck.
1: Sure is. Like, man, so, he, he, it's got to be a wrist thing or something nagging him. It's probably multiple things. I don't know. Shut him down. Jeez.
0: Seriously. I mean, I don't know when this you know, rule of thumb doesn't apply if you're in the NHL, but – You know, growing up playing hockey, it was always this thing of like, yeah, sometimes you get injured. And it's like, could you play? Yes, I probably could. But even if it's in the playoffs, you know, the measurement we were always told was, are you going to have a positive impact on your team? Are you going to make your team better with the level of injury you're playing through? Are you still going to make your team better if we put you on the ice? Right. And to me, that made so much sense. Right, it's like an internal gauge you go through. You're like, Well, I can't shoot the puck if I'm Sean Monahan. and I don't know how to make plays because my wrist hurts, and I'm not going to hit anybody, and I'm not going to forecheck. Literally, the, the only way this team is generating offense right now, he's he does can't win a face off pretty weak in his like pretty weak in his offensive zone. So, if his only strength is is on the in the offensive zone and shooting the puck, and he can't do that, and he can't forecheck and retrieve it. Why is he playing?
1: He's killing penalties. though. <laughs> the hell of a penalty killer. All of a sudden, I don't get it, man. And like, he's got, he's hurt. It's obvious he's hurt. There's no way Sean Monaghan's this bad, man. It's just, it's brutal. It's not good, and like, well,
0: and it's like, at what point do these guys pack pack it in for the season? Because, I mean, fans are already like, falling off like
1: flies. Well, unless you're unless you're Derek Wills. Oh, they're only five points back. They're only two points back. Yes, but Derek, Montreal has like eighty games in hand. If they win one of those games, they're like ten points ahead. If they win, unless they go zero and nineteen, you're not making the playoffs.
0: You could sweep the rest of the games with Montreal and they would still be ahead of you.
1: Montreal has played 32 games. The Flames have played 37. The Flames are still four points back of Montreal. It's not even close.
0: It's not even close. And I mean, look, it's not over till it's over. You know, until you're mathematically limited, you're still got a chance, a fighting chance. But typically, if that's going to be the case. We said this before. You gotta see some signs of like some some positive steps in the right direction. Like Chucky said this the other day. It's like whenever they win a game, they lose one or lose two. Whenever they take a step forward, it's one step back. Like there is no progress with this club. You got Monahan, who Johnny Gaudreau's got to carry around Monahan all over the ice. Who can't do anything. He's useless. He's a waste of space. Then you have Richie as your other linemate, your most offensively gifted guy on the team. Like, give him someone to play with. It's Something. Laughable. Like, give him, give him Derek Ryan. Enough is enough. Um, he's your most skilled offensive guy. And we, I've seen way too much of this in the, under this organization the last, what, three years, where all these players are just starting to fall apart. Right. they're falling off a cliff. I mean, you sent me this article earlier today. Really interesting. How to ruin a player. Fascinating. I mean, the points are pretty simple.
1: So well, they use it's it's Jack Han and if you follow follow him on Twitter, he used to work for the Toronto Maple Leafs as like an assistant coach with the Marlies. He's kind of like an analytics guy, but he's really focused on like Player development and and video stuff. So he has a blog that's really cool. But it's yeah, by Jack Han, just talking about because, in light of all these players who have like kind of Shane Goss, Pierre, Patrick Line, a few guys like this, Rasis Dalene, who apparently suck all of a sudden. I throw Johnny Goudreau, (laughs) Shaman into that category too. He just wrote this quick article on how smart teams. Develop players and make players better, and dumb teams ruin them. And some
0: simple ways how they do. I mean, there's a lot of parallels with what we've been saying about this organization, which is why I thought it was really interesting. But obviously, he says the goal of coaching and player development is to help an athlete maximize his potential. I still think we got the right coach to do that. And over time, he will do that. He's just got a certain style of play, which brings us into the next conversation right is like this complete 180 run in the other direction of your success in 1819 like Johnny Gaudreau is one of the most gifted talented players at creating offense off the rush and since 1819 this team has gone the opposite direction right we opened up with it last podcast um, you threw up another stat how we're actually not only we're, we, we're the worst in the league, or not, are we the worst? We're was it worst, worst? We're the worst,
1: the worst. Yeah, we're the worst in the league at giving up goals off the rush, at defending the rush.
0: Yeah. Right. And it's like the, the management and the organization told us fans, right, without writing us a letter about it, that the reason why they wanted to stop the rush game was because we need to be better defensively. So we've already gone off on it, but this comes into this article as well, right? Which is maximize your players' strengths. If Johnny Goudreau is probably in the top five in the league generating scoring chances off the rush for a team that cannot score right now, right? To... Take that ability away from him, and this goes, you know, beyond Sutter. Obviously, this is what we were harping on so hard in the ward why we needed him to be replaced. I still believe that Sutter is going to give Johnny the green light to go off the rush, just give it some time. But man, to take that away from him, and then to get him and Sean Monahan to try and focus on their weaknesses. So, what he's saying is. The top four things that smart teams do to do what we said, maximize great players' potential, the number one thing is leverage their skills. That's what we're talking about with Johnny Goodrill. If he is one of the top five players in the league generating chances off the rush, you better make damn well sure he's got a green light for the rush. The system is suited to support him. Like, How many more goals would this team have if this were the case? If there was a system in place and line mates in place and a strategy in place that you're going to maximize and utilize Johnny's capability to generate offense off the rush, you'd have a, probably at least 20 more goals this season already.
1: Would you well, not? Yeah. And I think not even just like playing a style that suits him, but giving him some goddamn support because, like, Johnny Cudreau is not Connor McDavid. He's not Patrick Kane. He's not a guy who's going to go end to end and score. He is a playmaker first and foremost. Yeah. Who is he making plays to? That's the, like this, this is an equation that's missing a variable. Like, and that's always been my frustration with people like, ah, Cadro is not good enough. He's one of the best at what he does, which is make plays. A lot of them off the rush. He makes the play. Like, He's still, this season, one of the most high-danger passers in the league. Same old story, but look who he's playing with. It's ridiculous. Yeah.
0: Like, he's playing with buzz kills. I'm sorry, I don't think he's this bad. I mean, we spent a lot of time defending this bum, but he is looking awful right now. So, not only, right, like you said, who is he making plays to? But there's another factor, too. If he had someone that had some dimension, someone like Matthew Kachuk, who can also make plays, you're telling me that two playmakers together, I mean, look at it with the the Boston line, right? Patrice Bergeron, Mar- Brad, or Brad Marchand, Pasternak. I mean, Pasternak's more of the finisher, but he can still make plays. But the three of them together, like when you have two playmakers together, there's exponential playmaking ability happening. So coming back to the article, right? It's just like leverage. If that's his, if that's the thing he's best at, and it is in my opinion, what, what does Johnny do? Johnny Gaudreau do better than anything else and generate chances off the rush.
1: Nothing. (laughs) That's his biggest attribute.
0: Number two, expand the player's comfort zone by uncovering underutilized assets. You know, put them in high success situations. Um, the fourth thing here is the other main point I want to put is like aggressively ignore a player's low frequency weaknesses. Is that not to a T what we saw under Jeff Ward trying to make Johnny Goodrill and Sean Monaghan into these offensively delete player? Er- well elite defense.
1: Yeah. Like, I mean, even a guy like Lindholm, I think they have tried to do that too. Right. Exactly. Because like, again, I am so sick of hearing about how Elias Lindholm is the next Patrice Bergeron. Cause he isn't, he's a confident player in his own zone. But when you play him, like he's Patrice Bergeron, it's not going to work.
0: Dumb teams. On the other hand, fixate on weaknesses at the expense of, of leveraging strengths, and that's exactly what we've seen with thirteen and twenty-three under Ward, and that's why I keep saying this thing is just like this is snowballed, in my opinion. There's a reason why there's more than a handful of guys with a complete fall off a cliff. I mean, how many times have you made this argument? Just like I get it. If just Sean Monahan sucked now, if just Johnny Gaudreau is struggling now, if just Elias Lindholm and I think checks numbers are dropping off. If it was just geo tapering off, but it's everybody.
1: Yeah, it's across the board. It's like not one, all of your top players, every single one of them has dropped off. No, sorry. That doesn't, that's not a coincidence. Like (laughs) that doesn't just happen. Not everybody just all of a sudden is middling.
0: Dumb teams. Number two, spend valuable time and energy attempting to influence low frequency, low valuable skills. Like you just said, trying to utilize practice time and whatever else it is and mental time and time in games to turn guys like Elias Lindholm, even Sean Monahan, into, you know, Selkie winning candidate, candidates,
1: right? Well, yeah, even just like having them waste the entire series against the Dallas Stars, bumming around in their own zone. It's not a good use of those guys.
0: Um, number three, double down on poor process by accusing them of being uncooperative. And then four, how is this not happening Irrelevant. Number four, strip down the player's unique identity and then sell them at a discount.
1: That's where we're headed. That's where we're headed right now. What are you going to get for Sean
0: Monahan? And is it not, if you trade him now, are you going to get the smallest return by comparable to the rest of you know his, his career? Same thing with Goudreau. Both Same of those thing guys. with Goudreau. Same thing with Mark Jordan. I mean, obviously he's at the end of his career, so maybe we don't include him. Sam Bennett. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's, that, that's like past extreme.
1: Well, dude, that's what they did with it. I'm not. I'm tra- trying to not bring this completely organizationally, but like that's what they did with Dougie Hamilton too. Like, it was like, oh, he doesn't play defense. Doesn't play defense. Even though, yeah, spoiler alert, he did play defense and was a great defender when he was here. Doesn't play defense. So he's not good in the room. The guys don't like him, and they sold him for peanuts. Yeah, and,
0: double down, poor process. Yeah, it's like, oh, I don't know if you've
1: noticed, but he's been in the Norris conversation for three years. So they've done this before, and they're doing it again. Anyways, interesting article. Like
0: you said, Jack Hahn, how to run a player. Google it if you want to look into it. It's just but it's just very pertinent to what's going on right now. Yeah. A lot of parallels. And I just look at the drop-off we've seen with 13 and 23, and couple that with the change in system we've seen with the running away from success. I mean, you you posted another thing on, on Instagram, I think it was today. Right. Where not only did you have exceptional offensive numbers in 1819? For instance.
1: Um, well, the, the offensive numbers on there. The defensive numbers. Well, you had great offense and great defense. That's what blows my mind is this switch from, oh yeah, we need to be better defensively when you were a great defensive team because you had the puck all the time and were playing in the other teams end all the time, this shift to, yeah, we need to be better defensively, but then you suck at defense and you are right now the worst team at allowing goals off the rush at five on five.
0: By comparison, here's your offensive or sorry, defensive numbers for 2018, 19, your goals against was 2.7. That was ninth best in the league. Your shots against twenty eight point first, 28.1, good for first in the league. First
1: in the league. Like, this is how good you were at defense that year. I'll let you finish, but your goaltenders were Mike Smith and David Riddick. Mike Smith was your starting netminder, and you were one of the best teams in the league and one of the best defensive teams in the league in terms of goals allowed. Mike this Smith was, was your number one goalie.
0: This was with the 21st
1: best save percentage, right? It was 21st or 22nd. I think it was 21st. Yeah, this is one of, the, it's one of the worst goaltending pairs in the league. And
0: my whole thing is, does anybody figure this out yet up there in management, in the organization? Are they at least sniffing up the right tree for fuck's sakes? And when it happens... Who is going to be held accountable for this? Like, there's no way this was just Bill Peters. There's no way this was Jeff just Jeff Ward. Do not get it. Okay. Let's get back to the game. Um, you had the one goal lead. Honestly, the way they were generating, ch- like I thought they had some good stuff going. And I mean,
1: well, they did. They had some, they had some good stuff going. Like it's under, they played a pretty good first period. I thought they out the jets six to two in terms of scoring chances in the first period of five on five. It was actually, a good period.
0: I actually don't even mind losing those games. No, me neither. Like, when, if, when, it, after the fact you look at all the stats and like, Hey, we won all pretty much all the categories. Um, I prefer losing those and winning, the games against Toronto, when you actually get
1: shit-canned. Yeah, totally. And then like, oh, we got the two points. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Because that's more alarming than the last game for me against Winnipeg.
1: Yeah. But that's, again, you said this, you can trust the process if you lose and play okay, like you did against the Jets. Yeah. You can start trusting the process in that sense.
0: And I mean, I guess to bring Daryl into this conversation, what we just had too, right? Which is... The organization running away and now you got daryl and I, I know some people see you know the decision to go with daryl in that direction as potentially even you know going running even further away from what made you successful but I, I still think the guy is smart enough that he'll at least bring you back into the middle ground
1: yeah i i agree with that like i mean and we'll, we'll get into it a little bit later, but the defensive metrics have been improved markedly since he's been here. You've been allowing way less scoring chances. So you, now you're actually seeing if they're going to be committed to defense and Daryl Sutter is, you know, turning them into a team who is <laughs> good at defense. Yep. I mean, I can get behind that. Like actually good. Not just saying. We're yeah. Gonna not just good. saying we want to commit to defense and we, yeah, we're going to be good at defense and then suck at defense because like those stats I've been giving you are years are over the year, right? Like they're worst in, al- in allowing um, ch- goals off the rush this year. I mean, Jeff Ward was the coach of this team for the line share of this season. So,
0: yeah. So you sent me this today. Um, Daryl since, since Daryl has taken over the club, the team has actually been 11th in the league in allowed scoring chances at five V five at 2.6 uh, per sixty minutes,
1: so yeah. so they've been improved in that area for sure. Like, I think they were fifteenth under Ward. Um, yep. So they're definitely allowing a, a less under Daryl.
0: So that's heading in the right direction. Um, the biggest difference has been save percentage because um, Ward had the eleventh best save percentage under hit uh, under him this season in the league because Markstrom was. Fucking fire, man! Um, but right now you're at the fourth worst in, the, in this stretch that we've had with Daryl. So you compare, you go from eleventh best under Ward to fourth worst goaltending save percentage wise. Um, so even though you're getting better defensively, your goaltending has absolutely stunk, and yep. you can't score.
1: Marshram has let you down big time since uh, ever since his injury, he has been. And I'm not just picking on him. Like he's been bad. Yeah. He, his goal saved above expected because some people have asked me like, well, has Markstrom been bad as a result of the system? If you look at goal saved above expected, which takes in to account shot quality. So based on the shots, based on the quality of the shots he's facing, how many goals should he have allowed? Jacob Markstrom is in the negatives right now at negative 7.2. He's in the Linus allmark Brian Elliott territory. Um, He's not, those, he's not, he's not
0: been much, good. How much was those guys make?
1: Yeah, not very much. Definitely not 36 mil over six years. Uh, James Reimer's ab- above him. Braden Holpe's above him. Mikko Koskinen's above him. Malcolm Subban's above him. Jake Ottinger. Ilya Samsonov. David Riddick's about league average right now. So Jacob Markstrom has not been good since Daryl Sutter's taken over. He's not been good since returning to his injury. He needs to be better, plain and simple.
0: I don't know. You've seen it with other goalies where they come off an injury and they're just like lights out. I think I'm just saying that because how many times, but this is the MO of the flames, right? Whenever you get a goaltender that you should yeah, beat, you usually get shut out. So maybe I'm just speaking from the wrong perspective here. When I've seen goaltenders come back first game back off an injury and they're fucking lights out. Cause we can't score on them, but um i don't know maybe there's something to be said about coming off in uh, coming back from the injury his timings off whatnot i just still have I, I i don't know i just think that markstrom's gonna get his game back just a matter of time
1: yeah and i i i think he will too he's too he, <laughs> i'm just kind of crossing my fingers he's too good not to yeah. i would say um The other thing is too, is like, what is with the flames goalie coaches? Can the flames get Markstrom's old coach from Vancouver, Ian Clark in here? Like, geez, that's what we need. He's the guy who improved Markstrom so much. I think he's at the end of his contract in Vancouver next year. If Markstrom's here next year, which he will be go get Ian Clark. Like, because the guy I'm, I'm always comparing Markstrom to kind of just because it isn't comparable is Sergei Bobrovsky. Like he went from being great in Columbus to, signing in Florida and has been pretty shit since then. Like, how does that happen? That's what I don't get. Like, is it, is the goalie, the goalie coast, I think is that important. So if a guy like Ian Clark is available next year, if I'm the flames, I'm going out and bringing him in. I don't know if
0: Brad, you're living is the brains to (laughs) piece that one together, man. But the other thing you put up here too, is Defense so overall under Sutter, what we've seen so far, defense is markedly better, but your goaltending has fallen off. It's terrible, and you can't generate offense. You don't, you can't, you're not generating enough chances, enough high scoring chances. But we're talking about this. The perimeter's play is ridiculous. Um, I, these are both areas of the game that I think will come. Like, I'm at this place, obviously, my playoff hopes for the year are done. So I'm just looking to finish the season strong um, and looking at for Sutter to, I mean, we're stuck with Sutter. There's, there's no way around it. So I'm looking at, at, you know, just seeing Sutter being able to implement some long lasting changes that are going to be easy to build off of starting the next season. So I think, look, what we're looking to track is the defense should get even better. The goaltending should should shore up. It really should. And then I I think we're already starting to see a little bit of shift in the offensive scoring ability, even though we were kept a one last game, I think we probably deserved a few more than one, but I'd really think that those two aspects of the game, the goaltending and the lack of scoring, I think those are going to turn around.
1: Yeah. And like, again, like Rick's been okay too. So I I'm not, I'm not like super worried about Markstrom. I think he'll be fine. And again, like, come on, if you can't score goals, like what's been, what's been a killer more over the past, however many games, the fact that they've been scoring once a game and generating barely any scoring chances. Like that's more of a factor in the, in the flames, inability to win right now, than their goaltending yeah. being shoddy. Right. Totally. Um, it's like I was saying, you won the West conference with Mike Smith, who's shitty as your goalie, you should be able to, <laughs> to win a few games and score more than once. If, if, uh, Jacob Marshall's in the net. So goaltending hasn't been good, but you have to start scoring goals. You have to. And I how they start scoring goals, if the flames are going to have any success on this, on this kind of like new four-check cycle generation, that's what we'll be watching for mostly. Because like you said, we're stuck with Sutter. And we're going to get into the trade deadline, rebuild this debate in a bit. But the Sutter Daryl Daryl, the, the the system Daryl Sutter is is employing. Is this four check oriented one? So they're gonna, they're gonna start either not score or never like, fuck, they've scored like one goal like every goddamn game. It's so frustrating.
0: Yeah. But you're starting to see look, obviously, you knew there was gonna be an adjustment phase, right? They came out of the gates pretty, pretty quick with Sutter, which is good. But now I think we're seeing the adjustment phase. And I don't know, we've been talking about this quite a bit. I think Sutter is more focused on other things right now. Um and he might just be working on a prioritization list. He might real he Do you think Sutter thinks they're making the playoffs this year? No. Come on, man. This guy's been around long enough. He doesn't give a shit about trying to make the playoffs. So, he's probably working through his prioritization order, you know, different than looking at short-term results. Now, I know we talk about this scoring off the rush a lot. And just because we look at eighteen nineteen, we see the amount of success this team had off the rush, doesn't necessarily mean um, we don't believe that we can still have success under Sutter, right, who's more of the cycle-down-deep-dump-and-chase kind of guy. We're not necessarily saying you have to live and die off the rush, even though we have seen this team extremely successful off the rush. Um, you sent me a really cool article um, talking about basically breaking down the Tampa Bay and how – you know, they they dump and chase more. They get most of their goals off off the dump and chase in the cycle uh, than not. So um, what did you glean from this article and how does it pertain to the flames?
1: Well, I think it's the most interesting because like I said, last time, if you listen to Daryl, something that stuck out to me almost immediately and I couldn't find the clip, but it was, it was either in his very first press conference. And I think it was, so I'll have to go back and rewatch that. He was talking about how Tampa Bay, changed how they played in a very specific way in the neutral zone and how they generate offense and how they play defense in the neutral zone and pretty much won the Stanley Cup because of it. Um so essentially what they did was started incorporating for checking into their game. Um because you saw previous the previous year the lightning got absolutely uh stymied and stifled by a very defensive club in the Columbus Blue Jackets. They were able to stifle everything the Lightning were trying to do off yep. the rush. Like literally everything is clogged out of the neutral zone. Lightning couldn't do anything, couldn't generate anything. So Daryl was talking about how they the, the Lightning adjusted their system. And I think what he's alluding to is the fact that they adjusted their system to a more generating offense off the forecheck a little more. So essentially what you can do there, that's the thing, right? Like we keep talking about this. I don't think Daryl Sutter is saying to Johnny Joe, you cannot carry the puck in, right? Yeah. He's not saying that. No. But what he is saying is don't force it if it's not there.
0: Yeah. And I still think there's a feeling out process between him and the players when they're they're trying to, you know, assimilate one message at a time, right? and have it work into the game. And there's going to be feedback in terms of what the results look like for the players and the coach. And there's going to be adjusting as you go to figure out what the perfect kind of mold and mesh is for everyone throughout the team and each one of the lines. Like, I think there's a, that's what we're seeing is going you know, to take some time, but I do think that even though we're not going to be this, this juggernaut, like we're off the rush again under this coaching system, I don't necessarily think that it doesn't mean we're not going to see results again.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, because for all that we harp on the rush, it's more of a, they told us we can't play this way because we need to be better defensively and they suck at defense. That's where our frustration is to articulate yep. it more clearly. It's not yep. because they can only play on the rush and they're, if they don't score on the rush only, they're not going to win. Cause I don't yep. think that's true. I mean, that's um, why
0: the, the Tampa Bay comparable is so important because we were very comparable teams in eighteen nineteen. And the adjustment that I think the Flames organization was trying
1: to make was the one that the Tampa Bay actually made. Yeah, because they have a legit head coach and a really good front office. And
0: we didn't and don't. Well, now it's changing under Daryl. I mean, that's that's the thing we're holding on to. But I still think that maybe Daryl is the guy to bring you back to that place and and implement that system that – they should have implemented
1: it. Yeah. So for all our bitching, the fact that you the fact that I heard Daryl Sutter specifically reference the Tampa Bay Lightning gives me hope. And the fact that if you look at how the Lightning are generating a lot of their offense, um, if you want to look at manually tracked uh, zone entry data, they are the uh, we are the most four-check heavy team this season so far in terms of our percentage of our total shots that come off the the cycle. The lightning are second. So obviously they're better at it because they're really good and they have the horses to do that and they're not screwing out their lines, but the flames are employing a strategy that the the previous Stanley cup champion employed. That's a process that I can get behind
0: And You need, you need to have a, a coach like setter in order yeah. to pull it off. You can't, well, exactly. there's yeah. no way you can pull it off with the coach at like ward. No, exactly. Um, and, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I think that's kind of where we're sitting in terms of, you know, keeping our hope alive here, right? Yeah. Is that we got rid of the biggest problem. I still believe Ward was the biggest problem. I still, I just think you're seeing the, the massive cleanup job that needs to be done. Uh, we, we alluded to it in terms of, you know, how to ruin players, right? That was happening in our opinion. Um, and I don't know, it might be too late to re- re- revive these guys. I still have faith in it. Um, you, look those the last few games we've seen from Johnny Gaudreau are very encouraging 500 and 501 the guy is playing with such a pace that reminds me of there's usually a month to 2 months somewhere in that range each season when we when we back when we had 82 game seasons that Johnny Gaudreau just finds that gear and plays with such pace and creates so much offense. It just generates so much. Those last two games we've seen him 500 and 501 after Darrell mentioned something to him. Um, he, to me, he's playing with that pace where we, we, that if you look back in past seasons, that's usually when he wins like player of the month.
1: Oh yeah. And he's doing what you always say he needs to do, which is getting to the middle of the ice. I think of a play where um, I think it was the Winnipeg game. He wouldn't pass to Brett Ritchie, but he, he was in a sea of jets players. It was one on four and he drew a penalty and yep. that's when he's at his best, when he's going to the middle of the ice, when he's getting to those highly contested areas and making things happen. Now it's yep. just a matter of, you know, giving him some goddamn line mates. The other
0: area, obviously talk about goal scoring is the power play. Um, we talk about it a lot, so we won't spend too much time on it, but Every once in a while, you throw up the updated heat map. It's still ice cold in the slot. Ice cold on the goalie's right side of the net. All the chances are coming up from the point. All the chances are coming down from where Matthew Kuchuk does his little between-the-legs things.
1: Well, and the other thing, too, to mention, they're all coming from the high point, like right on the blue line. Because that's what I don't understand about geo or whoever's back there blasting it is like they never they aren't even aggressive like isn't that what you want if you want a point shot from the middle on the power play don't you want to kind of like press into the ice and get that shot closer yep. they're yep. all from like way downtown yeah these guys are like
0: they're backing up as they're shooting yeah um, they're shooting off their uh, feet we've seen that before their back feet oh man this is not dangerous at all there's one specific shift we were just talking about it from the last Winnipeg Jets game where we actually what had the puck in the, the Winnipeg zone on this power play for you know close to two minutes. But it was mostly just Rasmus Anderson. I don't know why the two of them were back out there together. Rasmus Anderson and Mark Giordano just passing it back and forth, passing it back and forth. Rip a shot off. Nope. Blocked. Oh, they got it back. Good. Same the pressure. No, nope, just keep it's just like, man, I watched the Boston Bruins last night play put them on the power play like you said whatever formation they're in they're pressing they're not just like content with just kind of like passing it back and forth and waiting for something to happen and a seam to open up they're like pressing hard they go into their umbrella they move it around the horn if nothing's open they shift back into the other formation they just keep shifting back and back until and they're they're getting the cross crease passes. That's how you open it up. Well, like that's the problem no with Flames.
1: Yeah, the Flames is so stagnant. Everybody's far away. Nobody's moving. The guys are, like, you could have, it's like a pylon drill. Everybody's in their, like, like it's like they're in their little spots. They don't move. They don't get close together. They don't create any separation on defenders. Like, when's the last time you saw a guy wide open on the power play? It never even happens. No. And like I said, I think what's the most frustrating thing is in that umbrella setup, or, or the, the one three one setup when Geo's at the point, or whoever's at the point, they're not even creating a dangerous shot from there because he's standing like, are they trying to just stop shorthanded chances against? Like, he's not moving in at all, at all to make that box smaller or anything. Yeah. He's just standing at the high, high blue line. It's just so, It's it's not dangerous in the least. And I, I mean, mean that, that shift you were talking about, like, my God, the Winnipeg defenseman doesn't, or the Ford doesn't have a stick. And Geo and Rass are playing patty cake. Like, it's like a Tikes drill when you're in Tikes and you're learning how to pass. And it's just like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, blast wide. It's so bad.
0: Um, who's re- like you? Uh, who do you say is running this
1: thing? Oh, it's got to be uh, Ray Edwards, isn't it? I think Huska. So, I think Huska does the penalty kill. I don't know, man. We, it's a we mess. Need,
0: we need some some better assistant coaches, dude.
1: Yeah, it's serious.
0: Like, and that's something to bring up. Like, I think if somebody was saying this, is Daryl going to get to pick his own coaches for next season?
1: Well, the thing is, Ray Edwards was brought in after. Like, he was. That's the thing I've been. All, even with Jeff Ward in the summer, remember, I was like, if they bring in a supporting staff for Jeff Ward beyond who's already there. Maybe it can work, right? But like Ray Edwards has worked as like a player development guy in the organization and was brought on after the whole Bill Peters thing. So they never really filled that role as as well as they should have. But man, it should sure be nice if Daryl could bring some guys in.
0: It'd be nice if he could find somebody that has actually had a lot of coaching experience.
1: I still understand how you can have Gaudreau out there Like, the skill on the ice there. Gaudreau, Monaghan, a a power play group of five who have scored so many power play goals over the years. They were one of the most dangerous units last year. Well, not last year, but the year before. And they scored a shit ton of goals there last year. Like, how is this creating so few results? That's what I don't get. And there's never any adjustments. It's just, it blows my mind, dude. Yeah, it's brutal.
0: The last play I wanted to discuss on, on whew, from that game is Matthew Kachuk diving. Oh, my God. Electing. So, here's your situation. You got a two-on-two, two, essentially. Matthew Kachuk is the back check. He's trying to race Mike Scheifley back into his own end to prevent a two-on-one. And there's a little bit of contact between the two of them. And so, instead of fighting through it and making sure – that, hey, even if you're not going to beat them with foot speed back into your own end, at least create some coverage. So if a pass comes through, you can at least dive to block it. What does Matthew Kachuk do? He elects to try and draw a penalty by diving. And if you look at the replay, wow, that looked bad.
1: That was the sort of thing he, that other team, other fans think he does all the time, you know? That was bad, dude. And we're always like, no, he doesn't do stuff like that. And he did it and it was embarrassing. I legit
0: believe this. I tweeted this. That's officially the worst hockey play I've ever seen from Matthew Kachuk. And
1: man, did you see his post game after? Yep. He, he was so embarrassed. Uh, that one's on me. Uh, and Carol uh, even said it. He's like, that's a back check. Um,
0: the people were trying to ask him about it. And
1: you could tell that they knew he dived, but they didn't want to say anything. And they were trying to see what he would say. God and, forbid anyone say anything. And
0: he just like was so mad at himself and the situation that he couldn't even answer. He was just like, no, no, no. Anyways, dude, that's... Look, that was I, I, don't, I don't have an actual problem with Matthew Kachuk and the way he's been playing in the last five games. So.
1: Me either. I know everybody's like, oh, he's been terrible. I He hasn't been great. He hasn't been his normal self. Like, at the beginning of the year, I was raving about how he's going to be the next Mark Stone and shit. He's not been great, but he's been far from the issue. And again, like, if you really break it down, again, really stupid play, but think about it from Matthew Kachuk's perspective. We, this is how mad we are about the Flames. We didn't even discuss the fact that Chris Tanev almost got killed, no penalty, and then they fucking booted the puck into the net and it was allowed. What? How?
0: I mean, it's funny because there's two angles where you look at it and it's like, wow, we for sure kicked in the net. But then there's all there's another two angles when it's like, well, I guess it kind of just deflected it. He turned his foot.
1: Can you imagine if they took this much goddamn care and this much to pay this much attention to goals in 2004, We have a Stanley Cup. Instead, we're getting the puck booted into our own net. Oh, that's a good goal. There's no kick emotion on that. Unbelievable.
0: And then the, the goal called back. I I wish Daryl would have challenged that because I I think that would have counted, man. There was there was very next to little no contact between
1: Milan Lucic and Connor Hellebuck. I don't know which one was worse. I will say the booting the pocket in the net was more blatant than that one because like maybe you can maybe make an argument, but both of those, like what, what is with the state of officiating in the NHL? It's not a week after the whole Tim Peel shit. Like what a joke. Like that was so pathetic. And again, like Chris Tannip, when did boarding become legal is my question. How many times like, is boarding up this year? I see guys getting fucking creamed every single night like this. What is going on? Well, I forget who it was, but they
0: they tweeted the actual, in the rule book, the definition of boarding, which is like an unsuspecting player who's defenseless gets hit in a
1: semi-violent or dangerous way into the boards. Yeah, it's like the, the rule for boarding is like if the boards are used as like a weapon. It's like the exact, that's boarding to a T. That's who you show in referee school as boarding. Unreal. So anyways. And so,
0: and so like, I, I don't know if you're the ref and you, you see that hit, maybe you're like, oh, well, you know, it was a good hit outside of the fact that he ended up with his neck
1: basically smashed into the boards. Other than the fact that he almost got paralyzed, it's pretty good but hit.
0: That by definition in the rule book is what boarding is is when a good hit ends up with a guy getting hit into the boards in a weird, awkward way. Like, that blows is... blows my mind.
1: So, so yeah, like, that to, should have been to be honest, I can kind of understand with Matthew Chuck being a, 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 a guy who knows hockey, he knew there should have been or was going to be, like, an even up call coming. So I can kind of, I'm not saying I endorse it, because it was dog shit, but I know what he was trying to do. He's trying to get a power play for the team because he knows there's an even up call coming. Um, do, but you it, don't do that on a back check there, Matt. You
0: don't do that when you're risking a two on one. What was it, Kyle Connor and Mark, and Mark Shifley?
1: Take your pick of the Jets' top six Ehlers, Dubois, Wheeler, Shifley, or Connor, uh, whatever you want, man. Like if it's
0: going to be a two on one with any two of those guys, 90% of the time it's in the back of the net. Yeah. So way too risky of a play to like, at least if you're going to dive, like dive in, like dive trip, forward, do something at least trip and dive and like get in his way or something. Like you just pulled the shoot and completely bailed on your guy. you let him all alone for a two on one. And he snipes.
1: Yeah. As much as I say, I understand it. It's inexcusable. All right. So we covered a lot of things.
0: Um, you know, where this team is at currently, how they got here, looking at past years and the evolution to where they've been now, where Sutter fits into all of it and where we think this team is trying to go and probably might be able to go now that they have the actual right coach. Um, But then coupled with all that, you have the evolution or de-evolution of the players into, you know, how to room players and, you're kind of left right now with where we're at. I think whew, if you want to decide where you want to go from here, right? Cause that's, that's what we're going to wrap it up with. Like, what do you do for this deadline? There's no way you're going to make the playoffs. If you're graduating, you can't even like, you can't be like, oh, well, we're going to hold out and just, just see, like, it's not happening.
1: You know, he's got a third round pick burning a hole in his pocket so he can go get like Jason Demers or some shit.
0: So where do you think this team truly is? Because here's the thing. If you want to determine what you're going to do with the deadline, you got to think about where your team is headed. And I'm not convinced, A, that this team is done and over with yet because they haven't had, um, you know, enough ample time to work within the system that Daryl said is trying to implement. And they haven't had that feedback time, to tweak as they go and to work on things that aren't working and whatnot. um, And to really actually try and implement that Tampa Bay system that we've been talking about a and B I think maybe probably Brad living is thinking along the same lines. as like, you still have the majority of your top end players locked up for another year. Like if, if I'm looking at this without too much, analysis. I'm kind of like, well, you still have everybody locked up. Like, why wouldn't you just try your best to move out some money with expiring contracts. We'll talk about who they are for this season. Try and make a couple adjustments and tweaks in the off season and give it one more kick at the can. I mean, you're not going to be able to to make your team very much better in the off season just because you don't have a lot of money to do so um so you're gonna have to really hope that this team can get it done under this coach but do you, i don't think brad shilling straight to pull the plug i don't know Where do you think
1: well brad if brad Schilling pulls the plug he's fired <laughs> is what i would, would be my assessment i mean that was made utterly clear when they hired daryl sutter right like it's it's a, it's a new it's a more nuanced discussion than people want to have because right now the discussion is well they should blow it up but they won't which I kind of agree with with a few asterisks right like honestly at this point <laughs> unless you're making some miraculous rebound which maybe they do you know um, I think you're too far in a hole with this group who's probably not good enough. To really make a run at it, even though you have to, because you have no other options, because like you said, everyone's locked up. Who are you moving? How can you move anybody? Um, so I think the discussion of blow it up or go for it is it's, it's too polarized right now because the blow, I, I fell somewhere in the middle because the problem is you had a window to retool in the, in the off season following eighteen nineteen. that was your chance to retool, right? He yep. didn't do it. Then you had another chance this offseason. No,
0: he sat on his ass. Yeah. The only thing he did was he he let – what was the fourth-line guy?
1: Young. Hathaway. Oh, Hathaway, yeah. He let Hathaway walk. Our best penalty killer. And probably, you know, I guess he's not as tough as Lucic, but he's just a scrappy as Lucic. Yeah. So you had – and then you had a, another shot to retool because retool by meaning you trade maybe one of the guys, maybe a Monaghan or a Backland, a guy who is part of the core group. You can still get something back for and take another run at with, with, you know, your high end guys, Gaudreau, Kachuk, you add Markstrom, right? You had two off seasons to do the retool. You did nothing. You did dick all. You sat on your hands. You didn't address the needs of this team. You hired Jeff Ward again, Dude. right?
0: Just like just the mentioning of that, you hired Jeff Ward again. This guy <laughs> needs to. Be, this guy needs to be fired, dude. So, I want to qualify
1: the my what I'm going to suggest, which is what you're suggesting too, the retool with the time to properly retool or to properly squeeze the uh, give this group one last kick of the can has passed. Right, you've gone to the point of no return. Now, like, Sean to, Mon- to,
0: to a point where you actually have a good shot of, of success.
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like you can do it. You 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 can trade and probably will trade one of those guys, but it's not going to help you, right? Like you're, you're not going to be any farther along.
0: You're not going to be any closer to the, the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah. The like, Colorado Avalanche.
1: Like, what are you going to do this offseason if and when you trade Sean Monaghan for nothing? And again, like you're if you trade Sean Monahan, money's coming back, right? especially this year in COVID world, like money is coming back, whether you like it or not. Shane Gossespierre, who has warts in his game, but is still a pretty good in his twenties defenseman. you Somebody could pick him up for free, cleared waivers today. If Sean, like honest question, if Sean Monaghan goes on waivers today, is there any, I'm sure he would get picked up, but I don't think 30 teams are grabbing him because just because they can't because of money. Yeah. So the point being, The time to do something was two years ago. You didn't. So now you're at a point where you are in such a corner that the best thing to do would be to blow it up, but you can't. So this is where we're at, where you're not going to blow it up. A retool is not going to get you much farther along. So you're at the point where you're going to have to retool and hope that you can be a little bit, more competitive over the next two years that that's the point you're at that's the reality of this situation so i just wanted to qualify and, and all that with with that it should have been done two years ago it should have been done last year everything has been screwed up in terms of the timeline
0: and essentially you're hoping that daryl sutter can have an impact on this team the likes of barry trotson on the island yeah, exactly. And he, again, for... Because, because how, else can, how else can you actually be competitive enough to actually win a playoff round?
1: And we can talk all we want about, oh yeah, we are going to rebuild. They're not rebuilding, you guys. Like, it's not happening. They just hired Daryl Sutter. They are not rebuilding. It's not going to happen. Like, yeah. there's literally so, yeah. no way in hell.
0: If you read that move and what they said, do you think they were like, okay, we're going to hire Daryl Sutter to win a Stanley Cup this season? No. No. Course not. So they're obviously gonna try and go all out, which they already are. (laughs) You have like half a million left in cap space. Um, and what do you have coming off the books at the end of the season?
1: I mean, other than your league minimum, guys, nothing substantial. Like, I mean, Derek Ryan's uh Derek Ryan's three point whatever is up. Um it's kind of it in terms of like big money deals, and Sam Bennett, right? Sam Bennett. So I mean. If you and I there's was trying, there's to a p-
0: potential five and a half, five and a half mil there, early.
1: Yeah, like Derek Ryan, Sam Bennett, and then you're all the useless guys you picked up over the offseason. You know Richie <laughs> Levo, Nordstrom, Dom Simon, Dom Simon, eh? Um, so you're not getting any substantial relief. This is the group, and again, like I said, they're probably gonna they're probably gonna be forced into trading Gaudreau because again, like. I don't see any potential Monahan trades happening. Who's taking Backland? Nobody's taking Lucic, unless you can make one of those. Co- I'm mean, just gonna make Geo go away or something. If this team is going to "quote unquote" retool, the only guy that they can possibly move is Gaudreau, unless you take a similar player from Monahan back. So, this, this is season, where man. this is where we're at. Both, right? I would but say. But like,
0: in what? Scenario: Does trading Johnny Gaudreau make you
1: better? Though it doesn't.
0: So if you're if you're, well, sticking I think up-
1: that's what they're probably going to do, aren't they? Like, because Tree Living is going to have to do something. He's painted himself into a corner where he's going to trade one of the best players this team has ever had because well, he's got to do something. That's probably what's going to happen because he's got himself into this mess.
0: I don't think Tree Living, if you look at his track record, is going to. Trade Johnny Gaudreau? I sure, hope season, not
1: this season. So, I guess the conversation is, what do you do with the deadline? You like, you've got it. My fear is that he's not going to do anything. Sell you, some guys for shit's sake.
0: You at least have to to sell off your expiring contracts.
1: Everything you have needs to be on the table in terms of expiring deals. Derek Ryan, Sam Bennett, Josh Levo, Brett Ritchie. Joachim Nordstrom, Michael Stone, <laughs> Michael Stone. I mean, I've said this already. If the Flames are smart, they would be actively shopping Chris Tanev right now. He's your best trade ship because you have groups of players right now heading into the deadline. There's a group of players where you could get something back for them. That group of players is very small. It's probably Chris Tanev, and that's it. Go ahead, You can get something for Hannafin, but you're probably not moving Hannafin, right? So the, the second group of player is guys you're not moving. Not that I'm saying they're untouchable, but guys you're not trading. That would be Lindholm, Montrapani, Anderson, Hannafin, Balamaki, Kachuk.
0: But like I just said, you know Brad Living is not going to go out and be trading. Chris.
1: Uh, I know, so it's so stupid. Chris if, they, if they were after, smart,
0: they would be. After just signing him, he's been your best player. He wants to revel in his one and
1: only you know, good signing he's made. Which will, it's just, uh, it just, it just, you have a chance if he wants to retool for real. Chris Tanev, trading Chris Tanev is probably one of the only ways you can get better for next year, right? Because like we just said, you're not trading Monahan for anything better. You're not That's- trading Backlund for anything better. Chris Tanev is a guy who can, you can trade and make you better for next year, which is what you should be looking to do.
0: I've seen someone throw this out there too, is Jacob Markstrom.
1: Dude, I would be shopping the shit out of Jacob Markstrom. Would you give them to the others though? Um, if they offer me something back, yes. I like <sighs> they won't, they won't, but I mean, if you want to talk about the actual okay, how can you retool and not rebuild and not blow it up and actually just kind of retool? the best things you could do would be to trade Chris Tanev and maybe try to move markstrom out like right now that's the best thing you could do and then maybe swap monahan for somebody similar in the off season because who are you getting that's better and younger than Sean monahan in the off season nobody
0: so we know that
1: brad living will not do <laughs> any of that the former i could see him maybe moving monahan to be honest but well we know he's tried he tried to move again fuck he's tried everything but he doesn't get it done you know
0: so if if you know that there's no way he's gonna move Markstrom or Tanev, then what do you do? What 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 can he do if because you know he's not gonna do that?
1: Well, then you just I guess it wouldn't be a retool because it won't make you that much better. You maybe pick up some draft picks for guys like Derek Ryan, Sam Bennett, right? You see yeah. if anybody will take any of your expiring contracts. That's really all you get left to do.
0: You try yeah. to fill those those holes internally, which wouldn't be hard. <laughs> Sam Bennett is a it is certainly sucker. wouldn't um and and then you're looking at maybe around 5-6 mil that you would have available next season to sign someone like how much does Tofoli make
1: under 5 like 4 something
0: so obviously you're not getting Tofoli now but can you can get a Tofoli caliber type guy for around 5 mil so oh, if he can if you can pull this off, because I think that's what he's gonna do. I don't even I don't even know. Do you think he would be into moving Monahan?
1: Oh, I think if he could trade Sean Monahan, he would do it today.
0: Yeah, okay. I think out of those three players, I don't think I honestly don't think he's moving Mark Shortanov.
1: No, I don't either. But I'm just saying, like, if you really want to have a discussion about how the flames could retool and be yeah. no, I get be, that. be in the discussion next year, those are your two most valuable trade trips to get something now for.
0: I get that, but I like to stay in the framework that we can expect of
1: reality. Reality.
0: Um, so if he, let's say he does move Monahan, I think moving Monahan would be perfect. I mean, he's injured now, so.
1: Well, yeah, <laughs> he, but I mean, he, like he should go to Colorado, well. man. He
0: should go to Colorado.
1: Seriously, what's, what's Colorado going to give you for half-alive Sean Monahan whose wrists don't work anymore?
0: Well, not not necessarily that you're trying to get maximum return for him, but like you said, if you can get one or two pieces. Um, maybe they're for next year. Maybe you get at least one piece that can help you next year. Like maybe you swap uh cadre for like, I think you said that cadre for, for Monaghan. Oh, I didn't uh, say that. I don't think the Avs would do that. No, I doubt that. Yeah. But like, if you can get something from over there that can help plug up at least the bottom and then you can go out and get somebody.
1: Well, yeah, I think the thing that I'm kind of hung up with like, Oh, just trade Monaghan is like, he makes 6.375 for three more years. If you're doing that, you're getting probably, unless you're eating salary, you're probably, nobody's probably doing that deal unless they are sending another contract your way. So I'm just trying to think of like, is there even anybody else? It's going to be, the Sean Monahan trade is going to be a lateral move at the very best. It's going to be for a guy, like you just, a, a lesser version of the Dubois for line A trade, right? It's like two guys who are not good with their teams currently. Maybe you just swap them. That's the only way I can see Sean Monaghan being moved. Unless you straight-up trade him for, like, literally next to nothing.
0: Yeah, just give him away. Yeah. So then what it looks like is going to happen is that there's one more kick at the can with the same group. And you're just hoping. If you're you're living, you probably let your inspiring contracts. Hopefully, just (laughs) let him walk. What would be the point? The season's done. Just get something back. For Sam Bennett, get something back for Derek Ryan, Josh Levo. I mean, we mentioned all the names, and then you're sticking with the same group, I guess, going the next season. Try and add at least one more piece, and hope that Daryl makes the difference. I mean, and that's hope, where we're
1: at. And hope that Seattle takes Gio. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we still got to deal with that, <laughs> dude. I,
0: Oh, man. If they don't, if they protect GOL, just
1: you know they're going to. Yeah,
0: but then they're going to expose TANF.
1: If I had to pay, place money on it, I would say I would bet this organization would protect you over TANF. Why? That's how they are. That's they're crazy with that loyalty stuff, I guess, you know? Zdeno Chara.
0: Boston Bruins, get over it. The guy's cooked. Okay, well, I mean, trade deadline is less than two weeks away, so I mean, we'll see how this plays out soon enough. Like, but yeah, I don't know. What, what do you think the chances are that he actually sells hardcore, and he does sell
1: guys like Johnny? I'd be blown. I would be absolutely blown away. Yeah,
0: and I think the the biggest reason for that is they just brought in Daryl Sutter and they basically stated in doing that that they're trying to maximize this what's left of this window which is (laughs) there's not much left of it it's not looking too bad